Does this feel weird? It feels weird <laughs> looking at you not through a phone while we're doing this. <laughs> Welcome to He Read, She Read, a bi-weekly podcast where a couple of married bookworms with very different reading tastes discuss books and the reading life. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. Every other month, we also share a book club-style discussion on one book we both read. On January 26th, we'll be discussing The Color of Water, a memoir by James McBride. We've been meaning to read a memoir together, and the new year seems like the right time to do it. Today, we're sharing our favorite books of 2020, plus an overview of how the circumstances of this year affected our reading lives. To find a list of every title we mention in today's episode, go to hereadsheread.org slash podcast for show notes. Does this feel weird? It feels weird <laughs> looking at you not through a phone while we're doing this. This is the first time that we have recorded in person. Since January? Yeah, in almost a year. It's been surreal. It's been a Which, long time. Almost a year. A year that has felt like a thousand years, really. <laughs> so it feels like even longer. Circumstances and distance, it's been a little bit of a fever dream. Yeah. So. But, but yeah, this is nice. It feels weird. It's nice to be home. Thank you to everyone who uh, was supportive on social media when we put that out that I was back in the States it was very nice and it was good to be back so it's nice to be back recording for you yeah thank you for the sweet messages those those were received with much gratitude all right enough mushiness (laughs) before we get into our favorite books of 2020 let's just do a little reflection and talk about what our reading lives looked like in 2020 with everything going on i think you should start Well, obviously it was different being deployed again and during the timeline that being gone with the pandemic going on. My reading life was a lot different because when picking books for this episode, it was a lot of shorter books, which is different than I'm used to. Um, Our last episode, if people haven't listened to that, they should go back. It was about long tomes, which is more what I'm known for enjoying. And I trended a lot more towards audio because that's what I was listening to when I was just lying around trying to get a flush mentally from the day. Um, So books that I'm going to be talking about today that are different from what I would normally go for but ended up being what I needed in 2020 are some shorter books, some books on audio, and yeah, those are kind of how my reading life looked in 2020. Did you feel like you were relying on a certain genre to carry you through more? Or is it more just length and format that was different for you? I think length and format was mainly the differences. The genres that I was getting into were more of the same. Still some mystery, uh, not as much history. Um, And like you mentioned in the opening to the show, we're looking forward to actually getting a memoir into our buddy read system. Um, But one of my favorite books this year, actually the first book I read this year, um, is a memoir that I'm going to talk about, but most of the topics were things that I've read previously and been part of my life. I think it was mainly just the length trending more towards shorter books because I didn't have as much time to dedicate to reading. Mm -hmm. So feeling that accomplishment still of finishing something and then being able to get a lot more audiobook listening done 
with just having that on in the background as I'm doing things around my room or just getting a reset from the day. Mm-hmm. How about you? Sense. So let me think. I feel like often during this this year, I was like, oh, I'm just not reading right now. Or I felt like I wasn't picking up a book for really extended periods of time. But that wasn't actually the case. It's just that I read a lot more audiobooks and ebooks. And so then it felt like I wasn't reading very much because I didn't have that page turning experience where I was sitting down with a physical book very often. Mm-hmm. And my reading life sort of happened in bursts more than a steady flow. Oh, that's the sourdough. I have to go pinch salt into the dough. In other reasons, our t- lives have changed in 2020. We have a sourdough starter. <laughs> Send us some name suggestions because I have not named it yet. Okay, I'll be right back. Setting my timer for an hour and a half. I didn't sing for you. Oh, Curtis. <laughs> Missed opportunity. All right. So where was I? What was I talking about? I forget. My sourdough rules my life now. Um, I was talking about how I was reading in shorter bursts, audio and ebook instead of paper copies. And a lot of that had to do with audiobooks really saved my reading life because I was able to listen while doing something like mm-hmm. baking. So I was doing a lot of baking and listening to audiobooks or chopping vegetables, things like that that kept my hands busy and made me less anxious while I was listening to audiobooks. And ebooks, because I have started getting into NetGalley a lot more, and I was just reading a lot of romance this year. So that was a, a bigger shift. But in terms of what I read, I mean, I one thing that we'll talk about more in our next episode about reading goals for the future, when I look back at 2020, I see that I read so many new books, like front list, bestseller, all of the buzziest books. And that wasn't bad because I really enjoyed them. But I do think it would be nice to change that up a little bit. So yeah, um, it's, I mean, I feel like I've had a lot of reader friends who have said this year was weird, so it made my reading life weird, mm-hmm. and that makes sense. Yeah, to be but, expected. Yeah, but I mean, I found myself leaning on audiobooks more every year, and that's been a trend anyway, mm-hmm. so I think that that was just going to naturally happen. I mean, and you're leaning more on romance more over yeah. the past couple of years, and this year especially. Yeah, so it all makes sense. But I'm really excited to talk about our favorite books of the year. Mm -hmm. This was hard to narrow down. I have been sharing over on my uh, personal bookish account, Chelsea Reads. I've been sharing uh, like categories of favorites. So favorite uh, YA and middle grade, for instance, and favorite contemporary romance. So that was much easier. (laughs) Those have been much easier to put together. But I, I tried not to overthink which titles I picked. But before we get to that, we have some time off over the holidays. And I don't know about you, Curtis, but I envision a lot of reading happening. 
we said that when I came back two weeks ago, and I don't know if we've actually lived up to that, but... I've been reading quite a bit. I've been reading more because I'm not on my phone talking to you. That's helpful, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm reading more than I was when I was deployed, but it's not as much as I thought I was going to be doing when we got home. Um, But, you know, there's still time. Yeah, so we definitely, we have books under the tree to give to each other for Christmas. And I really want to do the, I think, it is it the Danish or Norwegian tradition where, or Icelandic? It's one of those Scandinavian countries and they exchange gifts on Christmas Eve and everybody gets a book and then they just read for the rest of the evening. Yeah, we can take care of that. So (laughs) I think that that is definitely on the list. So what are you hoping to read over the holidays? So I need something that is, I'm going to use the phrase a get right book that's going to jumpstart my year um, with something better. So I need something that's going to be engaging, but simple enough that I can get through it and not one of the big tomes. Mm -hmm. Like I've talked about my goal for 21 is I want to read, you know, Grant by Ron Chernow, but I don't want to be intimidated by getting that right out the out of the yeah. gate so i've already started it and it fits the mold perfectly and what i'm excited to read over the holidays is in cold blood by truman capote so i think i've mentioned this on the show before either in like a bookstore hall or however it got brought up but it's known as probably one of the best true crime books of all time And when I was looking more into it as to like, hey, why is this hitting the right chords for me right now? They're calling it a nonfiction novel um, or a faction, which combines fact and fiction (laughs) if you do. Um, But it details the 1959 murders of four members of this family in Kansas. And it was written in 1966. Um, Capote actually went with Harper Lee to Kansas to interview residents and investigators took thousands of pages of notes and has that investigative reporter feel of things that I brought up on the show before that I really like and it's hitting the right things that I enjoy about a mystery novel in the characters and the dialogue but a lot of that stuff is what makes it the novel part of the nonfiction novel because he's taking facts and interviews and things that happened but he's putting it in such a way that it reads more like a novel than just a true crime book if that makes sense so it's combining the best of those characters and those qualities and the detail that i like but i think what surprised me the most is the prose and the dialogue that i wouldn't have expected um, but is what i am looking for right now so so far so good i think it's going to get me right on track for a successful 2021 and nothing says Merry Christmas like a book about murder. Hey, do you know me? <laughs> I am going to lean into some holiday reads. I I tend to read romance year-round. I've never gotten into the holiday-specific romances. Mm-mm. But if any year was going to be the year to do it, uh, it's 2020. So I have a couple on my list and one of them is a princess for christmas by jenny holiday and here's the tagline are you ready Mm -hmm. a tough new yorker from the other side of the tracks who falls for a princess from the other side of the world oh boy (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty excited about it so 
Uh, I've heard that Jenny Holiday is a great author, and I have some of her other romance series on my list to read, so I am excited to start with this one and lean into the holiday spirit a little bit more in my reading life. I mean, I think we've mentioned in previous years that I don't really read seasonally, mm-hmm. so even if it's around Christmas time, I don't read really Christmas-y yeah. books. So I saw that you had something with Christmas in the title, and I was like, oh. Not only Christmas in the title, holiday in the author. I know. That's quite something, huh? That's a twofer. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to do this as a two-for-one, because obviously with how busy I was uh, and being forward out of the country, my reading life wasn't as extravagant as yours, (laughs) we'll say. Uh, So we're going to go two-for-one on this. I'm going to do one. You're going to do two. I'll have a top five, you'll have a top ten. Uh, do you want to just want me to start? Yeah, you should start. And I think, so I have mine kind of grouped into favorites, so uh, I might mix things up a little bit, but we'll get there. You go ahead and start. How you skin this cat is up to you. <laughs> That's a little inside That's baseball. That's gross. <laughs> um, so the book I'm going to start with is actually the first book that I read this year, and in I'm thinking it's actually going to be my favorite book of the year, uh, even though it was the first one, and it's Know My Name by Chanel Miller. So it was the first memoir that I had read in a long time, and what struck me the most about it, and I've mentioned it on the show before, is just the quality of the writing and the way that she puts you in her shoes and makes you feel the emotional weight of not only the sexual assault that happened to her, but the aftermath, the court battle, how she was feeling throughout the entirety of the process. And I think that was what was most engaging about it and what drew me in from the get-go is you feel for Chanel, you understand how she's feeling, she's expressive in the best ways. And the amount of agony and pain that she's able to put into words and make you feel as a reader is was a little bit shocking for someone who like wasn't a writer before this and you know makes you want to really just punch walls and scream when you realize the truth of what she went through with the criminal justice system and i think hearing some of the background but not really knowing the depths of what she went through um when like she released the um the news. Jane Doe letter. Yeah, the Jane Doe letter. On BuzzFeed. Yeah, exactly. So once you read that, you kind of had a feel for what she was going through, but it doesn't, it in no way captures everything that she's dealing with with her family and her personal struggles. So I think the amount of feeling that I was able to get out of it and just the way that it catapults through is probably one of the best memoirs that I've ever read. It just goes to credit Chanel for how good of a writer she is. And that's why I'm going to be thinking about this book for a long time. That was, I think, one of my favorites of 2019 Mm -hmm. because I read it over maybe like between Christmas and New Year's and then passed it off to you. Mm -hmm. Did you find when you were making this list that anything before February or March, so anything that you read in January or in February feels like you didn't read it in 2020 because it feels like a completely different year well, just with I, the pandemic. I think um, 
Annie Jones put it best where it's like that fever dream situation mm-hmm. where it's all the pre-pandemic, even though some of the pandemic things were happening in the shadows, is, yeah, it feels like a different year. So, but I've got two books uh, that are from before I left in February, just because of how they're etched in memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just feels like that was forever ago. I love that book too. That's one that I really urge people to pick up if they haven't. I have two of my favorite romances to share. I picked one contemporary and one historical. I can't believe I was able to narrow it down that far. I'm proud of you. Good job. So the first one is Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. And I am pretty sure that on our favorite books of 2019 episode, I probably mentioned Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert, which is the first in the Brown Sisters series. The great thing about romance is you do not have to read the series in order. There will often be characters that pop up from book to book, but you don't necessarily have to read them in order in order to have a wonderful reading experience. I loved Danny Brown even more than Chloe Brown. So if you're going to only pick up one of them, I would go with Danny. And this book is really fun. Danny Brown is a professor and she has this little flirtation with Saf. He's a security guard that works in the building at her college campus. And (laughs) one day an alarm goes off and he goes in and rescues her from the building. And when they come out, he's carrying her like fireman style and someone snaps a picture and puts it on the internet and they go viral. And they decide to capitalize on that viral fame with a fake relationship. I love a fake relationship trope. It's so much fun. The thing I love about Talia Hibbert's writing is her sense of humor. This book is hilarious. I laughed out loud several times. I just think that she has this hilarious wit and all of her Britishisms are really fun as well. And I also really like the way that she tackles serious topics in her romances without making them feel heavy by any means. Zaf in this book deals with an anxiety disorder and I just feel like it is treated so well and makes the characters, I mean, people aren't perfect. So Talia Hibbert doesn't write perfect people. She writes books about people who are going through, going through some stuff. Um, I really loved Take a Hint, Danny Brown, and I think that even if people don't love romance novels, or they think that they don't love romance, this one is a rom-com. It's hilarious, it's engaging, and as long as you're okay with some super, super steamy scenes, I highly recommend picking it up. So that's Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. And then the historical romance that I absolutely loved was Would I Lie to the Duke by Eva Lee. And this one totally took me by surprise. I really like Eva Lee and she's an author that I recommend to people pretty often, especially if they like Tessa Dare's books. 
I just feel like she doesn't get as much love or recognition and I think she's a fabulous romance writer. So Would I Lie to the Duke is part of her Union of the Rakes series and in this series she takes 80s teen movies <laughs> and rewrites them into historical romances and it's just really fun to pick up sort of those uh, Easter eggs in the novel and see how she twisted the movie tropes into some romance tropes. So this one is about Jessica McGale and she is in need of investors for her family business. So she poses as Lady Whitfield to go and be in this group of super wealthy people people who are investing in business and she meets the Duke of Rotherby and they really like each other. <laughs> Sparks fly but she is disguised. He doesn't realize who she really is and so they have this sort of whirlwind affair and it's kind of like a Cinderella moment. She is with him and then at some point she has to go back to her everyday life. And I just, I thought that this book built romantic tension better than any romance that I've read in a long time. And I, I read a lot of romances with romantic tension. That's kind of the thing of the, of the romance genre. And I really, I just really liked the characters and their relationship. I don't know if I can really pinpoint any more than that on why I loved this one so much, but it was definitely my favorite historical that I read. That is What I Lie to the Duke by Eva Lee. Move along. What's next on your list? So this was the other mention uh, that I read in February uh, prior to my departure, which also feels like eons ago. Mm -hmm. um, so this is probably the shortest book that I read this year and something that I talked about in the intro of what was different about my reading life this year. Um, it's 126 pages, which for people who know me is unheard of. Um, and But it was carried with it a big message and was something that I read twice and went back to. So it's kind of like it was, you know, 200 and something. I didn't realize that you I read, read it, it twice. twice. Well, it was it's only 126 pages, Justin. I think I need to read it. Um, so it's called On Tyranny, and it's 20 Lessons uh, from the 20th Century by Timothy Snyder. So Snyder is a professor of history at Yale and is a well-known Holocaust historian, and he offers a lens of 20th century history, uh, not just in Germany, but all throughout Europe and the world, where you can have this landscape that gets you from authoritarianism and um, fascism into tyranny and kind of is a warning to the rest of the world that you can say those things can't happen where I live or th these things are a thing of the past. Benny does a very good job of just providing concrete lessons for how that is not connected with reality. I'm sure the, they said the same things in Germany in the 20s and 30s and he shows examples of how they did. So what I liked about it is a lot of the things that he talks about are actionable in your daily life. It's the politics of the everyday is a phrase that he likes to talk about. And he's not into the American exceptionalism. And that's something that I'm into where we're just looking at the facts and concrete realities of we can say these things like tyranny can't happen in America because we're just the best. 
having that mentality is something that will just careen us down into something that falls apart in about 20, 30 years. So, so I, I think it's important for people just to read and understand that what you see isn't always what's happening. A lot of it is theater and how to protect yourself and people that you care about from just falling for conspiracy theories. That's a way to do it as well. So I look, I look forward to reading it again. It's got historical references. He's a well-known historian and yeah. So that it was the first example of two that I will talk about that are under 200 pages. So who are you? I know. Came right. back from deployment a new man. <laughs> okay, uh mm, so I'm just going to share one right now and then I'll uh double up later. Okay. This was my favorite audiobook that I listened to. And it is also my favorite young adult slash middle grade book. I was able to actually narrow it down to one. But if you want to see my other favorites, go to Instagram. (laughs) Because I have more favorites over there. But this is a book that I just can't stop recommending to people. And I actually really think that you should listen to it for your next audiobook when you're picking one. Because it's in our Libro FM app. Before the Ever After by Jacqueline Woodson is so good and i do think specifically it's really good on audio the narrator is amazing and before the ever after is about a young boy whose father is a famous tight end and he is in the nfl but he's had a lot of brain injuries and concussions and so he's behaving erratically, he's depressed, he has all of the symptoms that point to major brain trauma. And this book takes place in the late 90s, early 2000s, when the NFL was really trying to cover up the traumatic injuries that were occurring across across the league um, with concussions and when they weren't really addressing it the way that they somewhat are today, not really enough, I would argue. Um, But basically, doctors really didn't know what was going on with these men. So this book is told from the eyes of a young boy who's watching all of these changes in his dad, who he loves, and it is just a really good mix of bittersweet. It made me cry, but it didn't make me sob. Um... It's just a really beautiful book, and there are other layers to it and layers to the family dynamics that I really appreciated, and I think Jacqueline Woodson is a fabulous author. Her books are often really good on audio, but this is one that I'll be recommending for a long, long time. It's Before the Ever After by Jacqueline Woodson. My next one is also my favorite audiobook of the year. Look how that worked out. Good tie-ins. Uh, It's The Only Plane in the Sky by Garrett Graff. So this covers approximately 50 to 60 people and their stories from the events of 9-11. And it made me cry. And it incorporates not just the telling uh, with different voice actors, but incorporates the uh, um, cockpit tapes from some of the planes and just overall... 
some people reading the news and it's those inputs from the actual day that I took away from it and that drove the most emotional reaction. It's an emotional day, number one, but it's also just the humanity of it and the amount of people that they were able to interview and the stories of heroism, but also tragedy that rope it all together. I think it's the best book that I've read about the events of that day. And I think it's the one that really captures the human side of what actually happened. So that is the best audiobook that I listened to this year. I think it won awards for either something on uh, like the audiobook awards or something, but it's very well done, good cast characters, and a really compelling story. So, Is it okay if I do four in a row? You can, but first we should talk about Libro FM. Okay. Fine. So, so, audio- <laughs> so audiobooks really saved our reading lives this year, so thanks to Libro FM for being our favorite audiobook subscription service, because with each download, we're supporting independent bookstores. Their app is incredibly easy to use, and their site includes notable picks from booksellers to help you decide what to listen to next. Enjoy your reading life with audiobooks while supporting small business by switching to Libro FM audiobooks today. Listeners of the He Read, She Read podcast can get two audiobook credits for the price of one. You can go to Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the promo code H-R-S-R, or you can click on the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing you're supporting local bookstores. Now, Chelsea, you can do four in a row. Okay. I mean, I... Not that I would ever want to leave out Libro FM. We genuinely love them. But I wanted to do my four favorite contemporary fiction reads. I won't spend a ton of time on these because these are some of the buzziest, most popular books of 2020. And so I just don't want to spend too much time on plot summary since they are at the front of most bookstore displays here. So the first one is Writers and Lovers by Lily King. And I adored this book so much, although it did come out in March, so it maybe didn't get all of the love that it deserved. Uh, Just a little overshadowed by, you know, the world. (laughs) (laughs) But I recently read it and adored it. It is about a young woman who is experiencing grief after losing her mother. She's trying to finish her novel. She's working a job as a waitress and she is juggling relationships. And I absolutely loved the commentary on the writing life. I loved the introspective nature of the book. I I just really fell in love with the characters and Lily King's writing style. And I definitely want to look at Lily King's backlist for the next year. So Writers and Lovers by Lily King. If you feel like your reading taste matches mine most of the time and you haven't picked that one up, then this is your message to do so. <laughs> next... Uh, Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse was one of my favorite books of the year. Obviously, it's in this episode. But I mean, like, favorite, favorite. Like, if I could only pick three, this one would be on that list. And I listened to the audio version, which was narrated by Bonnie Turpin, who is a fantastic audiobook narrator. It is a book about Gifty, who is a neuroscientist studying addiction and depression And she's studying those things because of how they have impacted her family. We 
get to meet Gifty through sort of a series of vignettes. It's very, it's not stream of consciousness, but it sort of flows back and forth between her memories and the present in a really beautiful, lovely way. Yeah, Jessie is just a fantastic writer, but I loved this book specifically for its themes of science and faith. Another one that I absolutely loved is Beach Read by Emily Henry. This book was really marketed as a romance. It has the illustrated cover, it's bright and cute, but I would categorize it more as women's fiction. It is about two writers who meet at their lake houses. Beach is a little bit misleading because they're like on the beach, but it's the beach of, I think, Lake Michigan. So some people don't call that a beach. Anyway, <laughs> it is it is a romance in the sense that there is a central love story. It's these two writers, one of them who writes romance novels and believes in love stories, and one of them who writes very serious dark literary fiction. And it's got just a touch of enemies to lovers where they kind of didn't like each other when they met in college and now they're meeting again and they fall in love. That's not a spoiler. That's like jacket copy. You can figure it out. But the book also tackles grief. It is really fascinating in terms of what it's saying about genre and the writing life. In that way, I think it pairs really well with Writers and Lovers. I think that back-to-back, -back, those make a really great book pairing. Another contemporary book, although I guess this could be qualified as historical fiction, but another buzzy book that I loved this year was The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And I feel like this was the book of 2020 that truly every reader picked up or at least can recognize the cover. And... It is about two sisters who are separated, and it is a generational story, so we experience the lives of their daughters, and it is just a beautiful book about identity, and um, yeah, it's just a, it's a beautiful book about identity in many different ways, and it surprised and delighted me, although I loved Britt Bennett's debut novel, The Mothers. This one was different in a great way, but still had her knack for storytelling. So I will still keep recommending The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, even though it feels like everybody's read it already. So the next one that I'm going to talk about is my second audiobook on this list, but goes to show that my categories of taste still held true in 2020. So this is a military history book from the Afghan war early days. It's Alone at Dawn by Dan Schilling and Laurie Longfritz. So this is the telling of John Chapman story about how he received the Medal of Honor for the Battle of Takar Gar in Afghanistan. I have read a lot of books about this battle. It's also known as Operation Anaconda. I did some uh, writing on it when I was in school. And so I came into it with some knowledge and background about his story. Uh, but what I was not expecting and what I got and what I found was really compelling is Schilling also does a back look into a community that doesn't get talked about a lot, uh, which is the Air Force uh, combat controllers or JTACs or um, 
essentially they're air liaisons that insert with other special operations units from armies, tier one units to the Navy SEALs, to army rangers, that type of stuff. So John Chapman was one of these airmen who inserted into one of the first conventional battles of Afghanistan. And what's compelling about his story is it's the first Medal of Honor that was supported by video evidence. And so if you look up John Chapman uh, Medal of Honor, you'll actually be able to look at a YouTube video uh, that has the footage of him and walking through most of what happened. And I think it's actually the author, um, Dan Schilling, who is uh, from the Air Force Special Operations Community that walks through what happened after they did years of investigation and were able to determine uh, who was what on this grainy footage. So it was the right book at the right time because I was just looking for some compelling stories about Afghanistan. It kind of happens sometimes when you're in the same proximity. Um, You're just wanting to hear some stories about people who have been fighting the same war that you have for 19, 20 years. Um, So it's a good story about someone who isn't talked about a lot, uh, but who did some really great things. So I'd throw this in the same category as Red Platoon by Clinton Romache, which I've talked about on the show previously. It's probably my favorite military history book. Um, So this is right up there. Um, And it's Alone at Dawn by Dan Schilling. I have two nonfiction books to share. Go for it. The first is a memoir in essays. It's funny and delightful, and there's a bunch of pop culture references. It is Here For It by R. Eric Thomas. I listened to this one on audio. He narrates. It's hilarious and poignant, and I just really loved his style. Memoir in Essays is definitely one of my favorite subgenres, and so I will be looking for more memoir in essays to pick up in 2021. And I highly recommend Here For It. I think that it is spirited and hopeful and is a good a good humorous read if you are in need of something lighter and a pick-me-up and then another nonfiction book that I loved and appreciated so much I'm so glad that I read it is The Undocumented Americans by Carla Corneo Vincencio. and I love this book not only for the content and the stories that she tells, but for her unique voice and writing style. I was just so taken with it. And this book is about undocumented immigrants. And rather than writing a book where she's talking about like, here are the big issues um, that immigrants are confronting today, instead of taking it on like that, she is really just weaving stories of people that she met and interviewed and got to know really closely and weaving those stories together in and she really emphasizes the the right to live a normal life and what does that look like for people and she emphasizes that um I'm trying to figure out how to best explain this, but basically she she doesn't want to have to justify any of her subjects' humanity. And 
she explains that far better than I can, but I I just feel reading this book felt really revolutionary, but also it's just incredibly well written. So The Undocumented Americans by Carla Corneo via Vicencio. What is your final pick, Curtis? Your last favorite of 2020. Last favorite of 2020. Uh, it took me probably the longest to get through, which is weird because it's only 150 pages, but it's also the first book I read in a long time where I wanted to take it slow, grab a highlighter, and really just dig into the language and what the author was telling me beneath the surface. And it's Between the World and Me by ta Coates. So this is the National Book Award winner for nonfiction in 2015, a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize the following year. And it's a book written from a father to his son about the realities about being black in the United States and about the history of violence woven into that culture. Um, The author talks about growing up in Baltimore and the way that the institutions that he was a part of were trying to either punish him for being not violent enough or too violent, depending on if he was in school or in the streets. And it's what kept, what kept me coming back from more is just the way that he was talking about how the institutions that some people would think that were meant to build him up ended up actually just being these institutions and tools of racism that brought him to the point where he just felt disconnected from everything in the world. And it takes thematic inspiration from one of my favorite James Baldwin works, The Fire Next Time. And Coates has been drawn with those comparisons between like a modern James Baldwin. So there was some of the connections there that I liked. And the rawness of the struggle that he deals with on a daily basis and dealt with growing up in the streets in Baltimore when he went to college and just trying to make those connections to his son in kind of this early, you know, five, six years ago when a lot of the Eric Garners and Draymond Martins and the violence that was happening in the American streets and the response to those events and just how his son is never going to be able to stop those forces. Those are things that he's going to have to deal with for his entire life. And just trying to say, hey, this is what I've dealt with too. These are the struggles that we all have. Just because you're in a little bit of a more privileged setting now because of where we've gone to doesn't mean that you're not dealing with the same things that I dealt with when I was in the streets. So it's heartbreaking at times it's raw i think is the best word for to describe it and you just feel the pain of a father trying to tell his son this is the reality that you're gonna have to deal with Tanahasi coates is incredible he his comparison to james baldwin is incredibly well earned and totally makes sense mm-hmm. but it's one of those timeless texts that you wish wasn't timeless well and that you just wish everybody would read because mm-hmm. even because even though we won't understand like i'll never be able to understand what he dealt what like went through or how he feels on a daily basis it's the same way with chanel miller whether the language that the author is using 
puts you in a position where you can try to understand and see what they're dealing with. But it's something that is just incomparable in some cases. I have his uh, fiction novel, The Water Dancer, on my shelf, and Mm -hmm. I just haven't read it. I love his nonfiction so much. I don't know why. I've just kind of been resisting it, but his writing is so good that I need to pick it up. So those are my top five. Um, A lot of, you know, I I didn't really make this connection, but even though they're all, two of them are pretty short, under 150 pages. Uh, Two of them are audiobooks. Um, A lot of depth. A lot, of, mm-hmm. a lot of heady stuff this year, um, not a lot of levity, so we're, uh, you need to have me read some romance this year. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that, and I'm so glad that that is recorded, so yeah. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> My last book, actually... I think that you would really, really like this one. And if you need some levity and you need a quick book that you could read literally in one hour. I mean, I was just talking about how I was looking forward to some more stories of murder, but go ahead. This book is about a used bookstore in London. Okay. And a writer in New York. And she sees an ad for their bookstore and she writes a letter to them to request a certain book. And they sent her the book. She sends the payment back. But thus begins a 20-year letter correspondence between her and the bookstore proprietor and this little group of people who run the bookstore and his family as well. True story? Yes. Huh. True story. It's nonfiction. It is sweet, but not too, like, syrupy sweet. Great sense of humor. Super sassy. And you get this fun contrast between the super sassy American and the stiff upper lip British bookseller. And it's charming. Like I said, I read it in one sitting. I couldn't put it down. It is 84 Charing Cross Road by Helene Hanf. And I I absolutely loved it. And I think that you would too. And I didn't really make that connection until you said that you needed something with a little bit of levity. And I think like to kick you into gear an hour a book that you can finish in an hour is ideal. Okay. But also we love used bookstores yeah, and old are, books. That is a good connection. And there are, are you looking at my dog-eared pages and now you don't want to read it? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a ton of stuff about the write, or the reading life in here. And Helene sort of writes about how she reads her books, but... It's it's such a fun book. I picked this up partly because it's been sitting on my shelves for a really long time, but also because we are going to have an episode about it for the novel Pairings podcast. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I should definitely pick a classic since a big part of my reading life this year was influenced by launching another podcast with my friend Sarah, where we talk about classic and contemporary books. We get a little bit English teachery and nerdy. Um yeah, I think that you would really like this one, Curtis. So it's not romance. <laughs> I'll I'll get you some romance, don't worry. But I think that you would really like 84 Cheering Crossroad. Should we do recommendations of the week? I think we should. So I was looking forward to this for a while, but held off until we were back in the same place. Uh, we finished The Queen's Gambit on Netflix and... I really liked it. I think it was a compelling story, and I was really into 
a lot of the chess aspects uh, and the strategy and kind of the behind the scenes look at that stuff. And I don't like any story with like a child protege that ends up being like a flawed person that's a drug addict and that type of thing. I don't know. <laughs> that's a very specific, <laughs> specific thing to like. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like that stuff. Like the imperfect uh, prodigy is, I wouldn't say that that's a trope, but it's something that I like in a story. So I was a fan. Um, did you like it as much as I did? Yeah, or... I enjoyed it a lot. If I didn't like it, then I would have started reading while we were watching it. <laughs> uh, based on a book as well. I don't remember what the author's name is, but for people that liked the show, there is is a book. Yeah, we'll drop with it, it in show notes. What we... are you recommending? Well, we've also been watching The Flight Attendant, mm-hmm. which is on HBO Max, which is finally available on Roku. Thank you. So we can have it on our TV and we can watch Wonder Woman over Christmas. <laughs> That's, you know, the important thing. It is. Um, but I've really been wanting to watch The Flight Attendant as well. Hi, Penny. And it stars Kaylee Cuoco. This is a book that she optioned the rights for because she read it and she was like, I don't want Reese Witherspoon to get this before I do. (laughs) And I think that she uh, is in a producer role in addition to starring in it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Good for her. It's been good. I like it so far. We haven't finished it yet. so It's a thriller. So, I mean, it's a show that we definitely could have binge watched, but we've been sort of taking it slow because... We've got nothing but time in quarantine. <laughs> so uh, I am eager to finish it, though. We have three episodes left, and I feel like it's going to be really hard not to watch the last three. Because it's, like, hard to watch just one. But if you watch two and there's only one left and you've got all these cliffhangers, I don't know. We might have to wrap that one up. So Yeah, and you didn't mention it earlier, but you just did, that uh, we've been in at home quarantine for the past two weeks since I've come back. And that's been an interesting and nice way to reconnect. So that's been fun. Interesting. Is that the first word you would use really? That's, I don't think, did I say interesting? Yes. I don't think I said interesting. (laughs) You said that's been an interesting and nice way to reconnect. As reconnections go, it was, (laughs) you know, abnormal from my last couple of deployments, but uh, it's been fun. Oh man. Curtis, you make me laugh. Well, that was the first in-person recording since probably January. We did it. We're still we're still good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with us today for podcast news and reading updates. You can follow us on Instagram at he read, she read, and on the weeks when we don't release a podcast episode, we try and send out a newsletter with short book reviews, a list of favorite things, and just little updates. So subscribe to our newsletter at hereadshereadsubstack.com. If you need a book recommendation or you have a question for us, you can send us an email at hereadshereadpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you to Mark Anderson and Miles Eitner for our theme music. Also, big thank you to Libra FM for sponsoring this episode. Before you go, remember, the couple that reads together is back, baby. Yeah, we're back.